Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, everybody. This is We Are Starting a Cult. And today we have the actual original lineup for the show. It is myself, Grant. And I'm here with my co host and partner in crime, Jake. Hello, hello. He is the man of the hour. Today we will be dissecting something a little bit unusual for you people. Today we are going to be talking about the man, the myth, and the legend, David Huggins himself. So, for the, those of you that are not aware of who David Huggins is, Jake, why don't you, why don't you just tell me a little bit about uh, what this man has done. All right, well, uh, he was born in 1944 in Georgia. Just a small little farmhouse, you know, with his parents. He's having a good time. Uh, right now, he lives in Hoboken, New Jersey. Uh, he's working in a deli. He's an artist, a sci-fi enthusiast. But uh, the weirdest thing about this man would probably have to be his uh, his experiences with the extraterrestrial. Right, okay. So his experience is not your uh, traditional experience, per se. You know, most people claim that they've been abducted or visited in the night. Um... His was a little unusual. It started at a young age. I believe he was, what, eight years old? Yeah, it says uh, around eight years old. His first experience was in 1951 while he was playing outside during the day, mind you, uh, by a tree. Uh, He said that he heard a voice from behind him that said, David, over here. And he turned around and there was a, quote, little hairy guy who was walking towards him. He had glowing red eyes. Oh, little hairy guy. Of course, I hate when that happens, when you're in the woods and you see a hairy man. But um, that was not the weirdest of experiences. You know, this guy, we'll go more into depth on that in a bit, but uh, I think it's important to get this out here now that, um, how old was he, uh, age 16, 17? It was 17 for what I believe you're about to talk about. Okay, so he was 17 years old. When he had an encounter with a extraterrestrial named Crescent. Now... She was a hybrid gray human uh, extraterrestrial. Oh, yes. There are plenty of paintings of this woman. She has enormous breasts, human-like features, but the face of a gray alien. Yeah, all but the face, really. It's all just... Yeah, it's pretty good. And pretty um, cool. the, the thing here is he lost his virginity to this extraterrestrial. His virginity was taken by Crescent, the hybrid alien. So, before we dive into what exactly happened and how it occurred, Jake, would you give me some thoughts on losing your virginity to an alien woman? And you do know her name, 
So it's a little more personable. It's but crescent, yeah, it's good. Um, she's still an alien. So how does you know how does this gonna how's this gonna affect your life? You know, are you gonna be okay with women? Are you gonna be attracted to women? Because having sex with an alien is something that uh, is probably pretty rare. I would imagine. I mean, I'd imagine. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd imagine it's kind of like. Uh... I don't know. It's, it's definitely long distance. You're going to have to be able to do long distance. Um, I don't know. It seems like it would be foreign in a way that you can't even imagine, really. But I feel like it would be pretty cool. I mean, it would be different. Something a little exotic. Might hurt, but it would be out of this world. It really would be. So we will go back. He was 17 years old. He is walking through the woods one day. And he spots this, he believes it to be a woman. She has, like, long black hair. She's wearing a robe of sorts. I believe in the paintings it's blue, maybe a dark blue. And the uh, essentially what happened here is that he looked at her. She looked at him. And according to what he says is true, he could not get his pants off fast enough. He was overcome with extreme horniness. Um, his erection was enormous. And he was just trying to get these pants off faster than anything he's ever done. So he gets his pants off, and she mounts him. So she's on top. It's one of these classic, you know, sitting on top situations. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to do any of the work. He just sat the ride. He just sat there and enjoyed the ride. So what I think is also very interesting is that he describes it as very awesome, actually. But he says as he climaxed. It was quite painful. It was extremely painful. He was just overcome with this feeling of hurt. And he locked eyes with Crescent, and then he passed out. He doesn't remember much after that. It's actually pretty cool. The exact quote from that is, uh, it ends with a pretty good tagline. It's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty baller move here. I reach my climax, which is quite painful, actually. It's very intense, and I'm looking into her eyes, and I pass out virginity lost i mean this this guy's this guy's killing it right now virginity lost i would say that that is quite the loss of virginity story i don't believe anybody could top that unless it's some really weird situation well i think it's kind of important to go back a little bit and uh actually discuss the extent of these like visits he was getting as a child um there were a bunch of different phases of visitations throughout his life, but the first uh, set was around the ages 8 and 11. It was between those two ages. And it was pretty frequent. I mean, he interacted with these things. He would hear their voices, but they would not speak. It was kind of like a telepathic. I know people have um, talked about alien experiences with telepathy, but... Um, but he would tell his family about this, and he was freaking out. No one seemed to like see the same things that he was seeing around his house. And uh, he supposedly received a, quote, whooping like you wouldn't believe. Oh, and, I'm sure he did. I mean... Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. If my kid came in telling me this kind of stuff, it's like, if well, you're If you're going to go talk to your parents and say that you've been seeing aliens outside, they're first off, they're not going to believe you. I mean, that's just pretty obvious well, there's that. but i mean i'd go check yeah you know i, I mean would, we're I doing would. this podcast i mean i'd go check but like if it's not there it's kind of like well i'm i'm sorry i wouldn't hit my kid but you know the whooping uh the whooping uh proceeded onto him and so he ran outside uh when a particularly bad uh whooping 
occurred, and he was crying. And uh, one of these one of these um, entities, uh, not entities, but the uh, the extraterrestrials showed up, and he said, "You guys got me in trouble," and they told him not to speak of it anymore, and so he never did. I would say you'd probably have to listen. If somebody from out of this planet is telling you to not speak of this, you probably don't. Honestly, it's probably the best option. It's pretty good advice. Now, something that I find very interesting about this story is that it's highly detailed in paintings that he has done. There is a book out there, and it contains all of the paintings with all of the different um, you know, quotes and things of that. It's called Love in an Alien Purgatory. And it documents all of these experiences through paintings that he's done himself. Now, there's one I'd really like to talk about. You could Google this. You could probably find it somewhere online. It's called Five Pairs of Blue Legs. And it shows a young David Huggins crouched, like, in front of his home. And it's the home is lifted off the ground, and he sees five or six different grays on the other side of the house. You cannot see their bodies, but you see tiny little legs and what appears to be, you know, the top of a pelvis standing on the opposite end of the home. And to me, this image is its horrific. It's something out of a horror film. It's like you're just, you know, outside your house and you see these creatures. There's not one. There's five. And they're just standing there. They can't see you, but they're clearly looking for something. So this is, out of the whole thing, this is one of my absolute favorite paintings. I think it captures that fear that you would feel as a child. Uh, Jake, what do you what do you think about this painting? What are your thoughts on it? I think it's a fantastic painting, and I mean, I don't know, man. I, I one of the one of the things that I like the most about this book and the paintings inside of it is it, it just tells the story uh, pretty much chrono- like uh, chronologically. Like the in the in the page just before it, uh, it, it shows the little gre- the little grays like actually running over a hill, coming at him, and then it shows him hiding from them, and then later on, a painting underneath it. It uh, it shows them at night. They're still outside. They're waiting for him. One of them's coming inside the door. This man has so many, so many words in every single painting that he's he does. There's he's he's, he's doing a fantastic job of uh, telling his story. The thing that I've I also enjoy. We saw an interview recently with David Huggins, and um, the the interviewer talks about this book, and he says that he enjoys the book. He likes how it's documented. But he does not like the title, Love in an Alien Purgatory. I'm a little bit tempted to agree with him on that. What are yeah, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he said uh, he's glad that he didn't come up with that. Yeah, he always kind of laughs and hides his face when he talks about it. But it yeah, is. I mean, it's kind of intense. I mean, when, when, you, when you hear this guy talk, if you look up interviews, which you definitely should, watch his movie, get his book. Um, but Yeah, his what, movie is called Love and Saucers. It's yes. available on Amazon Prime. You could rent it for what two, three bucks. It's well worth your time. Yeah, whatever we did, it was yeah, it was great. But um, but I mean, when you hear this guy talk, he is the most modest, just average guy that you're gonna like ever come across. And when you when you ask him about these things, he just he's just saying, "I don't care if you believe me. It's I just don't know. This is all I can tell you about it. This is what happened to me." And it it's yeah, like loving an alien purgatory. It's kind of seems like there's a lot more thought put into that than. David would care to use in a title for something that he he's worked on. Right. And I would also specify that I don't it's hard to call this love. 
it not that there wasn't some type of emotional connection because I, I don't know I'm not David Huggins I don't think anyone specifically asked him that but to call it love in an alien purgatory it's not a romantic story it's not that he fell in love and was chasing this woman or vice versa it is it was simply a happenstance he was there one day she appeared and they had sex and it just it kind of went from there it wasn't like a love story so I kind of agree why this title wouldn't be good. Yeah, well, that I see what you're saying, but in the same in the same breath, you could also say, I mean, it, he did later on. It did kind of turn sort of romantic. It did. Which, That's actually a pretty good lead into uh, the next uh, set of years that he was uh, visited by these extraterrestrials, which was it started at the age of 17, obviously, and uh, it uh, it kept going up until he left home for college. He actually he went to the um, yeah, what was it? Oh, no, it is the uh, Art Student League of New York. Right, and th- this is a good lead-in because I I did just say that this isn't love, but there there is a part of the story that makes it feel that way because there was a point in time where he was being visited by these beings on a very regular basis. It was just occurring. There was nothing he could do to stop it. It was just happening at a fast pace. And Crescent was always the woman, well, hybrid woman, that he ended up having sex with on more than one occasion. And at one point, he had actually planned on seeing her again because it kept coming so quickly and happening that he just was under the assumption it would occur. Yeah, at, the, at this point, from from 1963 to 1971, he was visited two to three times a week. Right, so two so to three could times see this a week. Coming, yeah. He knew what was to come. And this is actually a little bit heartwarming, perhaps a little bit creepy, but he, on his way home from either school or work or whatever it was, he was coming home from somewhere. He stopped and he bought roses, and he left them on the table, and he was going to give them to Crescent. And the way that the story is presented is that she saw the roses, he gave them to her, and she was almost unaware of what they were. She didn't know, she was not comfortable with it per se, but there was almost a moment of connection where she felt that this was... Something along the lines of emotion. And I'm not aware or assured if these things have emotion, but he was certainly wooing Crescent. Mm. And it seemed to work because they did make love. And at least in the painting, she is cracking a grin. She is cracking a grin real hard. It's still a little scary to look at, but... It is kind of scary because, you know, David's nude and in bed behind her, not seeming to know that she's there. But, yeah, she she seems to be enjoying them. They look... They look pretty good. And uh, looking at this painting specifically, uh, Flowers for Crescent, it's also in uh, Love in an Alien Purgatory. Um, we forgot to mention the insectoids. Ooh, They are good. always there. Every single time that he sees one of these extraterrestrials, whether it be a gray or a little hairy guy or a hybrid, the insectoids are always present. That is a very good point because anybody that is familiar with the lore of extraterrestrials or aliens for that matter... The insectoids are always depicted as the knowledgeable ones. They are the collectors of information. While all aliens might look after information, things of that nature, the insectoids, they're the observers. They watch, they plot, and they plan. And it is very interesting. They, as far as I know, his interaction with them is very limited, mm. but they are present. There is always an insectoid present, and... For those of you who don't know what the insectoids are, it is, I would say, roughly a five to seven foot praying mantis, and they're 
they would least, be a little yeah, hideous. At least man-sized, yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, he's in New York. He's in college. He he has a sex schedule with uh, with with Crescent, the uh, alien the booty alien, call. Yeah, the alien booty call. It's great. He's living it up. College times, you know, you always try stuff in college. Uh, but what was the strangest part about these experiences that he uh, he ended up remembering is that they would come to him in his apartment through a, quote, interdimensional gate. This is just him speculating, but that is the quote of him doing that. Uh, they would apparently just, it would just open up and they would come through. And sometimes they would take him onto the crafts or to wherever they were coming from. And he would often say that he could either look outside of a window and see space and earth sometimes, or he would sometimes get the impression that he was in a cave. Like it, it was, it was very very strange, you know. But again, you know, college everything's sort of weird. It is. It's new very experiences. Weird. And that we're also now. I'm going to start segueing us into this, which I think is the pinnacle of the story. Is that one day he is taken upon a craft. He Crescent brings him with, and when he's there, he is shown children. And they're little alien children, and I believe, if I'm correct, that there are about a hundred or more. I believe it's about sixty. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it was. A, it's actually like leading up to that um, to get him there, um, or not to get him there, but what caused him to want to go there and see all these children was uh, Crescent came and uh, was being. I don't. And she wasn't being sad or anything. So Crescent came and um, she said. The baby is dying. He said, what? What baby? Your your baby, David. Your baby is dying. And he had a flood of just, you know, utter sadness. Just human emotion. We're all humans. We all feel it. If we have a son, even if we didn't know about it, if he's dying. Or a daughter, you know, either way. But, uh, so he, he insisted on going through the portal and visiting. And they showed him all these other, these other, like, uh, little babies. And they were all supposedly his. Right, so months, well, not even months, years of having sex led to these hybrid children. And once he was upon the craft, he saw them all. And according to the paintings, it's it's almost similar to that of like a pet store. Where there are just, it's a wall, and there's little boxes where they keep them in. And that's kind of what yeah. it looks like. It's either like catacombs or like, like fish tanks. Yeah, catacombs, they, 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 that's a good one. You know, I like that. It's good. And what I find very, very funny about this story is that she shows them the baby that's sick. And he tries to pick it up and hold it, you cradle it, like you know, like you would do with a baby. You know. And the aliens that are there with him, Crescent included, they begin to panic. They're very uncomfortable. They don't they don't want him doing that. And he's, you know, extremely confused, obviously. He's not understanding why. Yeah, it's like you say, this is my kid, and he's dying, I want to touch him. Right, so he's trying to hold and, you know, show some love to this kid, and at least from what he learns, it's that that is not how it's done in the extraterrestrial community. You don't cradle babies, you don't hold them like that. They are, essentially, it's more animalistic, where it's the baby learns by growing. They don't, they do not need affection and love from the parent. They just grow and then they adapt from there. Yeah, it's like a gazelle just falling out of its mother and being able to like run fifteen miles an hour. 
But, uh, but yeah, so, so yeah, so they thought that that, I mean, not so they thought, that's just how they always had done things. But, uh, he eventually got a, uh, a little touch onto this kid, and, uh, an electrical sort of, like, energy, so he, so he speculated from his own experience, uh, he said, uh, energy went into the child, and it was reacting more and more, and being, like, uh, of better health, and eventually all these other human hybrid greys were coming up to him with their children, like, making him touch them. That is, at least to me, on a very separate note, that is the ultimate daycare. It is hundreds of babies, and all it takes is a single touch to revitalize them. Yeah, honestly. And Another thing I'd like to mention, all of these mothers are just completely in the nude. Yeah, I would like guess just whenever clothes. they're around David, and but they, it's just like it's just women's naked bodies with white hair. I mean, white faces. My assumption and just is horrifying that eyes. They do not have a gap in outer space. I mean, I would understand, but they're wearing blue jumpsuits. That's true. Where you know, they like get the it? other guys are wearing the blue jumpsuits. There's one. Uh, there's another painting in here. I'll find it uh, eventually. But uh, it was like it, it was one of the blue robes, but it was just open. Some of them are just nude, some of them are, like, rocking it, like, without the belt, you know, and then the other ones are just in full, full work blue suits. And I think it's important to note that, at least in these paintings, they all look the same. It's not your typical gray. Like, they do have the features, the big buggy eyes, the small nose, and the mouth, but they all have this black hair, like, very long Angelina Jolie black hair, and once the robes are off, their bodies are human. They have arms and legs just like us. They have, I mean, yeah. the women have vaginas, clearly. They have breasts. They're all rocking full bush. It's good. So it's it's very interesting because this is not your typical extraterrestrial situation. Yeah. So, I mean, as one could probably posit from all of this information, all the kids and all the, uh, you know, David... Uh, having constant sex with this gray alien hybrid. Um, they were his kids. And he deduced that it was part of a breeding program to try to, you know, mix the species. But um, speaking more on emotion when it comes to these kinds of things, he was displaying a lot of emotion when he went to wherever it is that that portal that appears in his uh, apartment took him to. He uh, displayed a lot of emotion, like agony, sadness, that kind of thing. He thought his child was dying. And this actually freaked out. Like, they freaked out. They were alarmed. This freaked out every alien in the room. And they actually, like, once he kind of composed himself and got himself together, he found that they were actually trying to mimic what he was doing. This happened the same thing for um, making love. Like, uh... There was a whole display that they wanted him to do with Crescent to show human emotion during sex, like passion and that kind of thing. I think a very cool part of the story in the portal is that after, you know, so long that he was there, they he was asked to leave. And he begged, he pleaded, and he asked to stay. And Crescent seemingly wanted him to stay. She kind of talked to the insectoid in charge. She tried to see what would happen, and the insectoid basically gave the answer of, no, you don't belong here. You need to go back where you're from. And I find that interesting 
we'll, we'll, I'm going to come back to this later when I give yeah. my thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a really important part of the story is that he wants to stay and he's not allowed to. No, it is, it is interesting. He was, uh, yeah, right after what I just mentioned, the uh, the kind of um, the uh, sex with an audience, you know, that I was just describing. Um, he apparently was sucked through a uh, light in the ceiling and he woke up in his bed the next morning. And um, But apparently he woke up to the words, he could just hear the words, no one was really saying them. He heard the words, uh, baby is fine, baby is all right. It's a little bit comforting. So it's like kind of nice, you know? It's like, all right, we're going to do a long distance thing, but you can't live here. But, you know, I still still have a thing for you. Hey, that's a bonus. You taught me passion. They had sex. There's absolutely no care for the child, no child support. David's getting off pretty easy with this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The insectoids, like, we're just like, you can't stay here to use all your time and effort to take care of it. But you can go live your own life, and we'll send you some uh, tele- telepathic uh, text messages here and there, giving you updates. It's pretty cool. So I think it is very important now to mention that all of these memories and these images that he's had, um, he didn't remember them until 1987, and he was actually reading a sci-fi book. Uh, what was the name of that book, Jake? Yeah, he came across this book. It's uh, Bud Hopkins book it's called uh intruders the incredible visitations at copley woods so he was reading that book and i don't know exactly what happened but once he got through the book he kind of had a spiraling moment he was enormously depressed he isolated himself he just was kind of confused and this was the moment where he began having these images of things that had occurred to him in the past And that is how he got into painting. I believe, at least from what I've heard, it was kind of a way to cope with these thoughts that he had. It was, instead of just letting them stew in his mind, he was able to turn it into something that he could visualize and look at and say, wow, you know, this did happen. This is something that I'm aware of, and it's real. Yeah, he's using his art as a way to face his own reality. You know, it's it's actually kind of cool. I mean... So it took Y'all him, need a coping mechanism of some sort. It took him quite a while, I mean years, to actually understand that this had happened to him. And when it did, it, it all just came flooding back. It's very, very similar to the symptoms of like regression therapy, where it's something you might not remember, but once it's brought to the surface, it all comes back at once and it just hits you like a ton of bricks. It, you can't avoid it. Yeah, and this, I mean, this is, this is kind of common. I mean, not going to say common, but among um, people who have experienced, you know, aliens and uh, abduction stories and that kind of thing, it, it ruins people's life. lives. It ruins people's lives. You know, I mean, they, it, they suffer emotionally. Like, they think they're crazy. They sometimes spiral into depression. This guy, he lost his wife because of this. She didn't want to hear anything about it. It was, it was it was a real sad time for him. So yeah, the uh, the art degree or his studying time at um, at the art the art students league in New York it really came in handy and really came in clutch for this situation where he uh, he was always into painting. But these paintings in this book are they're phenomenal. Are really, literally his hanging on to his own sanity. I think and it's really interesting. It is. It's something. 
I mean, you would begin to doubt yourself, I think, after... Oh, of course. I mean, you've built a life for yourself. You had a wife. You know, you had your own thing going for you. And then you just remember these things. And it's it's one of those things. It's like, how could you possibly come back from that? How could you possibly cope with the idea of, I lost my virginity to an extraterrestrial? I mean, that isn't even half the story. That's the funny part of the story that I'm talking about. But... I mean, this guy's had, we're, we're going to just assume it's well over 50 visits, and one, at least, that he knows of where he was taken aboard some type of ship or something brought to their plane of existence. So this is, it's got to be something you can't, it's not easy to swallow. You cannot just accept this as fact. No, of course not. And I, I feel like the way he handles it, as I was saying before, very calm and very ordinary and just this is all I know. I feel like his uh, his paintings are kind of a like a diversion away from I mean it's not I mean, it, it, in a way it's facing that reality but in another way it's kind of suppressing it it's still there you know I mean yeah. he, he it's his life is is I feel like he's he's taking extra care to make sure his life is not as it would have been had he given in to all these feelings of all these experiences I would agree. I think this, it's, you know, like I said, it's very hard. And I think his personality really makes me a believer in him. I mean, it's hard to sit here and deny that this happened to somebody because, you know, the truth is you don't know what anybody experiences at any point. But the fact that he's so calm about it and the way he speaks about it where it's, you know, you don't have to believe me, but this is what I'm aware of. This is what I know. Yeah. It really makes me, in a way, it makes me trust him, whether this is real or not. Yeah. He experienced it, and there's no telling him that he didn't. You cannot tell him he did not have this. Yeah, and he's he says he's never been sick a day in his life. He doesn't take medication. He's all around just a normal dude with a great immune system. And I think uh, another thing is this is not like a monetary grab. This is not something he did for money. Oh, no, he makes sure not to talk about even any of these experiences outside of within the context of his art even in the world of art and the paintings that he's done as far as i'm aware he was not selling these paintings it was not something that he did to make ends meet he was just doing this and it compiled into such a collection in his house and his neighbor actually stumbled upon them she saw them mm, yeah, yeah and they said you know wow this is like insane are you gonna do something about this and i after some coercing he was like you know i guess maybe i could show people what i've done oh he was very nervous for his first uh exhibition but um yeah this this is all covered in the movie by the way it's a great movie but it, it all seemed to go very swimmingly for him honestly it did it was all circumstantial everyone was very inviting and welcoming and took him seriously and were very nice and his shows um, I only know of two, but they have traveled. It's a lot in like the New York area. That's where he's from. He's presented a lot of those galleries and things. Um, they did one in Burbank, California. Mm. Uh, I don't know the year on that, but they did do one out there. He didn't travel. He's not a fan of flying. So um, I, I'm not going to sit here and guess that they're going to go around in some type of way. But they do travel. The paintings are out there. You can buy prints online. Mm -hmm. 
And, and these are wonderful paintings. There. They are. If you guys get a chance, even a quick Google search would probably turn up some of these paintings. Whether you're a fan of art or not, they are stunning. The visuals, it's very simplistic, but it's also... I mean, I'm a big fan of aliens, and this is... You don't get art that involves this, especially personal art, you know? What makes great art is the context behind it. And this is freaking out of... it's, It's crazy. It's out of this world. So, the one thing that I'd like to bring up, and I think it it goes back to what I said earlier, is um, when he travels into this other dimension, mm-hmm. per se, maybe it wasn't a dimension, maybe it was a ship of sorts, he has actually said this on multiple occasions, that the reason he says they're extraterrestrials is because it's simply a way to identify what it is. So, he... He's not going to sit here and tell you that, yes, 100%, it is an alien that did this to me. He uses alien in the literal sense of foreign object, something he's not aware of. And I think that that's a very important thing because it is weird. You know, I've read a lot about aliens and things like that. And as far as I know, this is the only story I've heard of where they have human features. Not just like hands and feet, Mm. but... I mean, tits. They got tits, they got vaginas, they got bush. This is a human woman with the face of a gray alien. Yeah, yeah. And to me, this almost brings up the point of perhaps it's something in the mind. Perhaps it's, you know, an altered state of reality, such as a dream of sorts. But that doesn't mean that it it isn't real. It's still a very real thing that happened to him. Yeah, so you're not you're not doubting what happened. You're doubting whether or not it happened in reality or his mind. Yes, exactly. Like the, yeah, because honestly, yeah, I trust David enough that much. That, I mean, I trust David that much too. It's he's it's it's enough. Exactly the way he carries himself about this story, it it becomes real no matter how you look at it. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest gap here for me is. I mean, the story that got me into Aliens is Travis Walton, and we'll we'll talk about that on another episode. Probably, yeah. You're, I mean, you're the one that got me into Aliens, so... But Travis Walton, he saw a light. He saw a ship of sorts. And David Huggins has seen a ship. That's not the question. But the one part of the story that opens this to me is that he crossed through a portal... An interdimensional gate. Right. He went through some type of gate-slash-portal to get to where they are. So that raises the question of, was it a ship? And if they are real extraterrestrials, was this perhaps some type of planet? Was it some type of home? Because a ship, I feel like you'd very easily be able to just get onto a ship. Well, yeah, but but I mean, also, like I mentioned earlier, he sometimes said he felt like he was in, like, a labyrinth of caves. Right, so it is, it's it either, very interesting. Yeah. Underground or way up in the air, I don't know. Because this opens the door to a lot of different questions of what exactly did he experience? And again, I don't want this to sound like I'm doubting him because it's very real to him, and I, I believe him. I've seen the movie, I've read the book, I've watched plenty of interviews... And this guy's not trying to get you to believe his story. He's just telling it as it is. Yeah, it's kind of hard to watch these. Uh, you remember that uh, that uh, interview with the newscasters where they were kind of tearing him apart? Like, why didn't you take a picture? Yeah, it's very. It's easy like, well, they're to coming to me out. in my sleep. 
And they've been doing this all my life. I'm not just going to like, oh, wait, i got to grab a camera. Like, I don't know what's going on here. But they're just tearing him apart. It's really sad to see. Like, And even if he had picture evidence, they would just tear him up even more and say that it's photoshopped or faked. So yeah. you're not going to get these people to believe it no matter what you show them. Even if you brought Crescent to the newsroom, they'd find a way to not they'd believe it. They'd be pulling it. at her face and shit. Yeah. Right. They, it's, it's simply just... People out there don't want to believe in it. I mean, you don't have to, but you how can you deny what a man believes, you yeah. know? And, like, kind of dipping into the idea that it, it may just have been in his mind, I don't know how exposed he was to, like, the idea of aliens or sci-fi before he uh, read this book and had all these, like, this flood of just uh, memories that came back. But I know it was it was after that that he proceeded to get into all those things. So you gotta wonder if he'd even heard any of these stories, or because a lot of like the details of his stories line up with a lot of encounters. They certainly do. Like not not even just like the breeding program or anything, but like just the the visuals of ships and the insectoids being there and all the greys and just how they looked and how they acted and like the the hierarchy of power and I don't know it, it all is it it reoccurs. And right, that's a very good point. I mean, you go back to his father who gave him a, quote, whooping for Mm -hmm. talking about this. This was not, aliens were not something that was a dinner conversation for the family. I have a feeling that this was, it was believed to be hogwash among the family. Oh, of course, yeah. So that also adds to the validity of his story of where would he just make this up? And if he did make it up, why does it fall so in line with hundreds and thousands of other stories that have been told? That was an interesting thought. I don't know. Maybe it, it could be real and just in his mind at the same time. Like, we don't know what these things are capable of. I mean, they, they can walk through apartment walls and be in either underground caves or in other dimensions. I don't know. I don't know. Like, these guys could just project images into your brain of things that are actually occurring. And maybe you're there in some essence. Maybe you're not. I don't know. It's kind of a middle ground between the two. Right. Know? And perhaps it was a means of... Seminal extraction. I mean, I've heard plenty of stories where male subjects are abducted and their semen is taken, and it's usually not in such a fine way. Uh, I've heard one story, and it was they stuck a metal object up this guy's dick and pulled the semen out. Did so, Barney Hill? No, this was, I believe it was a man from the Coronado group abduction at the UFO convention. Oh, yeah, from the hotel when all of them like had experiences mm-hmm. at the same time. So I, his story was that it was extracted in a very non-sexual manner. I mean, yeah, they got him hard first, but that wasn't for pleasure. That was simply to get in and out. Maybe that's what. Uh, maybe that's where the uh, breeding program falls back in. I mean, maybe they saw that that wasn't the best uh, way to go about it, and so they're just like, well... Uh, as long as we keep our pretty faces, we can just put the human bodies underneath it and have a reading program for ourselves. And this kind of goes back to what you just said, where it's a mental projection. Yeah, it could be. I know. mean, look at the story of his virginity. Even he said it was extremely painful. Perhaps it wasn't sex. Perhaps he was not mounted. Maybe it was a mental projection of stimulation to the penis. And as his penis grew hard, they extracted it with a similar object. Yeah. Something along those lines, which would cause the pain. Because, I mean, orgasms don't often cause pain. I mean, I've never had sex with an alien. I've never, you know, fucked an alien. But perhaps 
their climax is different, but I don't know about that. I would believe more along Maybe their the lines. Their climax is like a urethra-sized needle that shoots or something. Exactly. Maybe it was a way of not only making him content. It was a fair trade. You know, they gave him what he wanted. He lost his virginity to an attractive being. What he seemed to want, yeah. He couldn't get his pants down fast enough. And they got what they wanted, which was the semen and the babies out of it. So... That's also a very... I hadn't thought about that, but that could be a very good point to, you know, why the pain was there. This is virginity. Yeah, honestly. Um, yeah. It could be just like a, a mental projection while he's sleeping in bed. It could be a mental projection while he's actually there, but, like, the, per, the uh, crescent, you know, doing her thing on top of him may have been just a regular old gray just with a, a, a ball-peen hammer and a needle. I don't know. Yeah. And... You know, this story, I, it's way too much for us to cover, mostly because I, personally, I don't think it's my business to tell the full story of who David Huggins is. Yeah, honestly. And, I mean, I don't think he thinks he's even, he, he doesn't even believe himself to be, like, able to tell this whole story. Even in the paintings, a painting is just a moment. You can pick moments that are defining, a, like, just to get a story across, but... When it comes down to it, what were those other missing moments like? Was it just kind of, did he become social with these things? Was it always awkward? Would he sit in the corner? How, how did this all happen? I mean, I don't know. You guys really need, should get this book. It, uh, it, it depicts a lot of very, very interesting images, very pivotal moments, but I think you'd agree with me. What happened between all of these things? I agree full-heartedly. And, um... Honestly, I think we've wrapped this story up. I mean, there's really not much to cover here other than what we talked I mean, We talked about the big point. Oh, yeah. There's plenty more, but the last thing I'd like to say is exactly what you just said, you know, like the capturing of moments. And this makes me wonder, since on the grand scale of his life, these memories are relatively new. I mean, the late 80s, not that long ago, especially from a guy who was born in the early 40s. Yeah. So... Something about that makes me wonder if the paintings he's done, is that everything that's happened? Or are there more that he cannot remember? Or is there something perhaps he remembers he doesn't want to talk about? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from his from his first experience in 51 to uh, 87, it's 36 years of things happening that you suddenly remember one day. Right, so who's to say that the story is over? Perhaps there's more to it because, yeah. I mean... They've left him alone for years at a time and then just come back. Exactly. I mean, it's so it's so crazy. That's, that's why we wanted to cover this topic because it's... I mean, it's easy to talk about aliens, but this is extremely unconventional. This is not the story you hear every day. Honestly... I could not give you another example of a situation like this, even similar. I mean, there have been beings that, you know, have had sexual attraction to these beings and things like that, but never to the point where it's like, essentially, it's a booty call. It is, he's ready for it, he's waiting, and whenever she shows up, his pants are down, his dick is hard, and he's ready to fuck. And that is very interesting to me, because... When has this ever happened, and will it happen again in the future? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I would hope it would happen in the future, for David's sake. He seems like he's he's doing well, but, you know, he could, everyone could use a little something. And a quick right side now. note, Crescent, I am available. If you're out there, please come see me. Oh, yeah, just come hang out, honestly. 
if anything. But uh, but yeah, so if you're ever in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey, and uh, see a deli, go ahead in see if uh, you see if David's behind the counter. He is very, at least from the interviews, he's a very sweet, kind man. Very sweet guy. He doesn't want fame or fortune from this. He just does it because he feels like he needs to. Feels like other people should hear his story. All right. That is the story of Mr. David Huggins and his wonderful experiences with Crescent. Damn right, he's a good guy. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, This is, technically, this is the first real episode we've ever done. I I dig it. I'm loving it. I would love to get some feedback from you guys if you're listening. Um, we do have an email. It's startacult at gmail.com. That's S-T-A-R-T-A-C-U-L-T at gmail.com. We both have access to it, so... Yeah, just throw some pictures in there. Throw some ideas in there. Throw, uh, I don't know, send some money. Even if you absolutely hated this and you refuse to listen to it again, tell us. If you give us enough money, we'll stop. Tell us, tell us what to do different so that you won't listen to it, or maybe you will. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us what we're doing right. Give us a little information to work with here. We crave critique. We, we certainly do. We had a great time doing this. And uh, again, I'm Grant. Thank you for listening to David Huggins. And I'm Jake. Goodbye. That was beautiful. 